Welcome to the Technology Lab, presented by CPA Practice Advisor, with your hosts, Randy Johnston and Brian Tankersley. I'm Randy Johnston, along with Brian Tankersley. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Tankersley. I've been in the profession since the early 90s, have been doing accounting technology since the late 90s on a professional basis. I've written a few hundred product reviews and I've spoken in 48 states talking about accounting technology to CPAs. And I am from Hutchinson, Kansas. I am so pleased to spend time with you today. I have been on the top 100 list since 2004, the top 25 list since 2011. I love to spend time in technology and with my family as well. I'm fortunate enough to have founded Network Management Group, which is a managed service provider providing services from Boston to Honolulu. And my K2 business is how I met Brian, and it is how we've probably met many of you producing CPE and PD in the U.S. and Canada. We're so pleased to spend time with you on today's Technology Lab. Good day. Welcome to Technology Lab. I'm Randy Johnston with my co-host, Brian Tankersley. We want to give you a bit more opinion than fact in today's podcast. And the issue here is really thinking about the impact of AI. And probably what got us started on this one was Brian Livingston's article on how to get the most out of Google Bard and Bing Chat. We've talked about those in other technology labs on Microsoft and the competitive AI tools. But the word that really caught our eye out of Brian's thinking, Brian Livingston, not Brian Tankersley, was the difference between Google's LinkFests and Bing's truthiness. So Brian, I know we're gonna talk a little bit about truthiness today, and I'd like to start us right there. So just talk to our listeners about what you're observing with truthiness. Well, I will tell you that there is so many things, you know, and, and I'm not gonna say as much about Bing because I've spent more time using ChatGPT3, but in ChatGPT3, we actually uh, talked about it at the Thought Leader Con in uh, New York earlier this year. And the thing that really struck us all about it, it would be doing great. And then suddenly it would lapse into things that would make a used car salesperson blush. Okay. There was no resemblance to truth or anything that's ever happened. I mean, just to give you an idea, Randy, me, and a bunch of us in the room ran bios on ourselves. My bio said that I had taught at universities I'd never sat foot in. It said I had degrees I'd never earned. And it said that it said that I was on the board of organizations I'd never I'd never joined. It was pretty amazing to me how it was like a switch went. And it said, Well, I don't have enough content here that I can find on him. So I think I'll just make some stuff up. Um, and, and it was, it was amazing. I mean, it, it identified our friend Doug Sleater as being just dead. It said, you know, Sleater died in 2017 and we we're just looking at this. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> you know? So, you know, the, the thing about it is that it's good until it's not. And, you know, I'm kind of chuckling at that. And by the way, for the record, Doug Sleater is alive and I've talked to him fairly recently. He thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. And and by the way, there were several other things like that. Now, this thing that we're talking about besides truthiness is actually called hallucination. Now, if you search on artificial intelligence and hallucination, you'll find uh, several references on this. But Wired, for example, 
had an article earlier this year that said AI has a hallucination problem that's proving hard to fix. It went on to say that machine learning systems like those used in self-driving cars can be tricked into seeing objects that don't exist. And the defenses proposed by Google and Amazon and others are all vulnerable too. So this is a sticky problem to try to resolve. Now, the code behind this stuff, the algorithms, and Brian's listened to me talk about algorithms before, and just a point of clarification for our listeners, you might remember that I have multiple computer science degrees, so I've been around algorithms a long doggone time. But historically, I've said for AI to work well, you're going to have to have six to seven public algorithms and 10 to 15 private algorithms that you develop. And it's a combination of these algorithms that make things work. And I have researched and researched and still not found the number of algorithms behind ChatGPT or the number of algorithms behind BARD or the number of algorithms. And you keep going because all I want is just somebody to report how many algorithms are public and how many are private, you know, that are, are out there. And we're not seeing that. But hallucination, this hallucination is really a, an issue because particularly Chad GPT can just go off the deep end. It's verbal diarrhea. I mean, it's just, it just starts. It, it's amazing to me the times where I've seen it. Again, it, it, you get about halfway through an ar- halfway through a response and then the wheels fly off, okay? It's never, it, the wheels don't fly off in the first half. It always flies off in the second half of the response for some unknown reason, and I, and I don't know why. But what I would say here is that the first half is still good enough that I, I think you should be looking at it here. You know, one of, the, one of the examples Brian Livingston gives in his great article in AskWitty.com, one of our favorite newsletters, is that this person asks uh, Google Bard, do you think Google is a monopoly on the digital advertising market? And Google Bard responded as yes, which strikes me as something that probably gives the PR and legal people a pause in the organization. You know, and, and I'm not the only one that's, that's come up with false stuff here. Again, Livingston talks about Ted Rawl, that's a syndicated cartoonist, he asked ChatGPT to describe his trip to Uganda, and it goes through and gives a rendition of his travels, says he met with the Lord's Resistance Army and all kinds of other folks in there. The only problem is that he's never been there, okay? And that's kind of like my experience. You know, in different bios in ChatGPT, it's, t- it's said that I was a professor at University of Tennessee Chattanooga, said that I attended UT Martin and uh, Tennessee State University, said that I was an adjunct faculty at another university in Nashville, Belmont. The only problem is I've never set foot in a single one of those universities. This problem with the truth is a real challenge. Now, it gets worse, though, that in many cases, out of whole cloth, it will just lift data from other places. So it will just pull data straight out of places without footnoting it at all, and then you've got copyright problems. Furthermore, there's actually a review uh, from a review website that said that uh, Google Google Bard had repeated almost word for word the benchmarks of some CPUs. It literally lifted it straight off of the site, you know, without any kind of copyright acknowledgement or anything. So 
while while these tools are interesting and I think they can be helpful to you for generating content, I think you've got to be extremely careful when you work with them to try to make sure that you're not violating somebody's copyright. You know, now you know you didn't violate their copyright by looking at the stuff, but God knows what ChatGPT or Bard or or Bing did. And that's the that's the real issue here is this is this is liability that you didn't even know you had that you could have. Yeah. So to that point in a separate technology lab, we're going to talk about the large language models, which might explain a little bit of this behavior, but it doesn't really. You know, I will caution you that you know, I'm going to kind of give a little tolerance here. We know that the chat GPT models are cut off as of September 2021 as opposed to Bing, which is incorporating more recent information. But we suspect some of the hallucination is coming from the cutoff period. But just to give you a flavor, while Brian was uh, speaking with you, I simply ran chat GPT-4 resources on Brian, and it was pretty simple. I said, what are Brian Tankersley primary skills? Now, Brian, I'm not going to show you all these or talk about all of them, but it gave four initially, accounting and finance, taxation, information technology, training and consulting. And it explained them pretty well. And I think those were all pretty right for you. And then I said, what other skills does Brian have? And it went on to say public speaking and presentation, writing and content creation, project management, starting to get a little dicey right here. A little dicey there. Yeah, that's not my gift. Yeah, about business development and leadership. And I really like the leadership on you, Brian, because it said throughout his career, Brian's taken on leadership roles, including managing teams and serving on boards of professional organizations. I wasn't aware of that. So I said, okay, give me 10 more Brian skills. And then it went on for strategic planning, team building, collaboration, research analysis, regulatory compliance, risk assessment, and mitigation, problem solving, communication, interpersonal skills, adaptability, time management and organization, and software proficiency. So, Brian, you know, I've got a collection here of uh, 19 skills on you just by asking what are Brian Tankersley's skills and pushing chat GPT a little bit further. But you and I both know some of those. What what did you say earlier? Some of those are balderdash. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are. Some of them are not. But but it's um, you know, and there's some element of truth in some of those. I actually have chaired a number of boards of local organizations, but I've not done anything at a state level or a national level. So, you know, it's got something, but it's a it's reaching here. I guess. And, and that's the, that's the thing that's troublesome is that you can effectively prod it like you did, and it will start to step further onto thinner and thinner ice. So, you know, the goal of the session here was to say, first, we both respect what the AI and machine learning tools are doing. Hands down, it is a radical revolutionary breakthrough. But on the other end of this, just recognize that there is some risk with the truthiness and with the hallucinations. We also noted from this article that there were some other things that are pretty important to cover, Brian, don't you think? For example, in writing. Yeah, I, I think so, that, that there are a number of commercial products uh, that seem to be quite interesting for solving some of these problems. 
Uh, so, you know, Livingston sites for writing ChatSonic, Jasper Chat, OpenAI Playground for search engines, Neva AI uh, for translation, Elsa Speak, Bloom, DeepL Write for social media, ChatSonic, Twitterbot, and Poe. You know, for research, UChat, Perplexity, and Illicit. So I mention all these to you here because I think to Randy's point that there will be open source models that will be associated with these these products. But they all, I'm sure, have have at least half a dozen proprietary algorithms that they're using in addition that filters out some of this problematic stuff, okay? You know, if you think about it, the problem you and I have on the internet is not that we can't find content at all. It's that we can't find the right content with the right context uh, that we're trying to deliver. Yeah, and you know, to this point, I would prefer these things to be more speaking. You know, one of the things that I've also been uh, working more with this year, and, and really, I've watched you do it for a good number of years, using our smartphones to speak and translate text and using our computers to speak and translate. I've found that I'm answering email quicker by speaking it now. I'm a pretty good typist. People watch me, but I can speak faster than I can type. And, you know, there's some chatbots out there that you can talk to, like Tinchilla or Replica or Character AI. And there's some really, really wonderful things that have happened. For example, you know, Brian, that I've been involved with genetics research for quite a little while and uh, just kind of like to read about that part of science. But the deep mind AI has done drug designs based on genetics and it's developed models in a matter of a few hours that researchers had tried years to do and never solved. And they solved it, I think it was in six hours. Likewise, the Google Tensor TPUs that we have talked about in our materials for some years. Remember, we want you to use graphics processors like NVIDIA and, and Google Tensors and so forth and the ones inside the Apple products because they support AI. Well, the TPUs were designed by Google's AI and the chip design for the most recent version, I believe those were the TPU version fours, again, were designed in six hours. That chips were designed and went to production in six hours, all with AI, with no engineers designing them. And they're performing better than any of the TPU ones, twos, or threes. You know, that's it's absolutely stunning the things that are happening today and how quickly things are changing. Just like when I started in the profession 30 years ago, I was issued a pencil and five and seven and 14 column paper. I think the tools that the next generation will use toward, you know, when they get toward the middle of their career, like me, 30 years in. They will, I think it'll be amazing, the tools. I don't think we can contemplate the things that the tools will be able to do for them. And I think their work will be quite different than what, it, than what ours has been. But it's going to be a very interesting ride. And I think we're going to have to pay very close attention to this. Because just like we saw that 20% market share vaporized for Google in a fairly short period of time, well, I think when it changes, it's going to change fast. And I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, and so I guess I'm going to close this session, Brian, with just one kind of additional parting thought. You and I have talked about this at great lengths, 
and we are quite concerned about truths. Now, as it turns out, I don't think things are black and white. There's a lot of shades of gray all along the spectrum. But what we are most worried about is where is the truth, the actual facts, going to lie? And I think it's going to be harder for a period of time here for us to be able to discern what really are facts. You know, you and I have talked about it from a, let's just say, a news source. We just like the facts, ma'am. You know, so I'm going to go back to Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. I realize that it's, again, it's a, it's a spectrum, if you will, because I'm really at the mold, if you're not there, how do you know for sure? And if you're not wearing another person's shoes, how do you know for sure? But I'm going to tell you, these AI tools, while as a technologist, I think are superb and beyond fantastic, I think the risk is also something we have to be very measured about. So keep your wits about you, friends, and we'll talk to you more in other technology labs. Thank you for sharing your time with us. We'll be back next week with a new edition of the Technology Lab, brought to you by CPA Practice Advisor.